Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. This week's episode is brought to you by Audible. Visit audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500 500. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnke and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at such a classic from the pop test and two in the think tank, it's Alan Andy. Hello. G'day mate. Hi. How well, are you? Good. Welcome back. Man. It's so good to be back. You know, it's the great. Old yeah, I love, tra- I love tradition. Oh yeah. And so coming back here... Twice in a row, every, once a year, is great for me. <laughs> so because I had you on last year to do a double on Lolita, do you think ne- maybe next year I'll pick another big classic? Big classic. And you guys can take it down together. Maybe two we parts. can do Don Delilo, Don Delilo's um, Cosmopolis. It's a big one. How big are we talking? Is it a two-parter, you reckon? Or? It's about this thing. Uh, it's your, it's, it's, it's a, his infinite jest. Yeah, it's like yeah. his infinite... Oh, we could do infinite jest as well. Wow, okay. That's the year, <laughs> a, that's the year after. Yeah, we'll keep you playing. You only do one a year. <laughs> one a year is a two-parter. Yeah. I've thought about... I honestly would love to get to, and maybe this will be the end of the podcast, War and Peace, because that's the mm, one that sure. people jokingly request so often. But I've looked into it. I think it's in four or five parts. Wow. So it would be a four or five-part episode. So yeah, obviously, so we could do that over two years. Yeah, <laughs> part one, part two, and then a year later, three and four, and then a year later, part five. That'd be good. Yeah, and then we could just meet up for a chat afterwards. Yeah, second yeah episode. that'd be nice. Yeah, how, how you feeling? I'm feeling good. Yeah, I know you were. You were. I assume in that that how you feeling you were placed yourself in the future asking me yeah, how yeah, I was yeah, feeling. Yeah, yeah, but I imagine in the future you will also be feeling good. Feeling pretty good. Yeah. Uh, or I could be like, uh, Dave, both of my arms have been blown off. <laughs> well, you said that while shaking your arms. Yeah. yeah I've been in the war and now I'm in pieces. No, no, no. There you go. Kill me. <laughs> no, that's good. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of good I stuff. hadn't said anything for ages. No. And it was worth you opening mm-hmm. your mouth, Andy. It was much more worthwhile than the things I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get to part two of The Grapes of Wrath, which is why we're here, uh, and I must say, not too many people have been chiming in on Twitter or other social medias telling us we're saying it wrong by saying wrath. I thought we were going to get the wrath of some British people. Yeah. But we well, didn't get I that. I think we even had a British person sort of implying that maybe that's not even how they pronounce it over there. So maybe I'm the only person. I'm, I'm you know, I'm a real, I'm a real wrath child. Really? <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first? That's me. Um. <laughs> Um, but I think there's maybe, like maybe more people in Australia who say that. So maybe maybe look, we don't know. It could be a regional. It could be a regional area in the United Kingdom mm, where I, maybe they say it. I also haven't checked the downloads. So maybe no one listened. 
That's possible. That's possible. Yeah, word yeah. got around real quick. Uh, <laughs> there was some advanced word that we were going to be mispronouncing Roth oh, on the show, and it just killed the numbers. I can't stand for this. <laughs> well, before we get into the grapes of Roth slash Rath slash Rath, your new radio show slash podcast, The Pop Test, you're up to two episodes now oh, yes. at the time of recording. I've listened to the second episode on Adam's on the way here. Great guests. You had Sean McAuliffe, mm, Sammy Shah. Yupoli Divisekara, fantastic with the the actual scientist yes. on the program, fantastic. Oh, yeah, they were they were amazing guests. They crushed it. Yeah, you know we were okay. Definitely worth a listen. I reckon there's some interesting stuff in there and some there certainly funny is. comedy. So it really opens your eyes. Ah, right. a little little hint there. Yeah, a great little eye anecdote that I quite yeah. enjoyed. A little, little foreshadowing. Something from, something from history you think, oh, that's really weird. Um, <laughs> uh, but oh, by the time this episode comes out, there will be at least three episodes. What will next week's topic be? I don't think we've even <laughs> even confirmed yeah, what the order is going to be. God damn it, Dave. Sorry. You, sorry you, this is a good interviewer, so he asked the difficult questions. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But You're squirming in your seat and I'm <laughs> loving it. <laughs> here's the kind of things that it could be. Here's oh, the episodes. Right. Could be evolution. Ooh. Could be germ theory. Could be the Earth's interior. Yes. Oh, mantle could, core. Could mm. be uh, light. You ever heard about light? I've not. No, you don't hear light. You see it. Ah. Um, and we got... Others. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, death. Death. We got a whole death. episode on oh, death. Oh, about the science of death. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Agriculture. So, Did we ag- say that already? No, we haven't said agriculture. Yeah. yeah we have a soil scientist on there mm. <laughs> wow. who's very complimentary towards Andy about how he describes farming. Mm. So tune in to listen to me be complimented on my description of farming. I will. Is it possible to uh, bump that episode up to number three so it's Man. definitely out? It's definitely- no, no, no. We're teasing it that you, that you leave people wanting that. That's right. They're really going to want to hear me be complimented this, by a soil scientist. Yeah. This compliment is so good we might even put it behind a paywall. <laughs> <laughs> let's get to that section. Andy, can I just say beep? And you just, thank you so much. Like, we gonna what be- I'm going to do with the podcast, I'm going to put every second word behind a paywall. Mm. You know, a lot of people just leave a good section of conversation or yeah. something you've got to get. Not me, though. No. <laughs> no. You know what people really want? Coherence. And they'll mm. pay extra for it. That's right. They will. Mm. <laughs> can it take some splicing together at home? You have to spend a bit of time with audacity to reassemble the conversation. But trust me, it'll be worth it. Well, if you release them both on separate CD-ROMs mm. or, or records and you have to play them at the same time. Simultaneously. On you the get the stereo effect. Oh, yeah, like a, like a real conversation. Yeah. Or Andy, could, you could be on one because you host it together. Al's on the other track. So you only get half the hosting duo. Right. Which it, honestly, it would still work. I think it would work. Yeah, but like, if you want the full show, you gotta you gotta pay. If you want a, the duo in stereo, Al is behind a paywall. I just I feel ashamed, and so I actually didn't want to be yeah. heard. I said, put me behind any kind of wall at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a great show. Hopefully, people are checking it out. Um, but we are here to discuss the grapes of wrath. Part two. Yeah. Now, for context, it's been a week since we have been in this room together recording, and it'll be a couple of weeks since people at home have heard it. Now, if you if you listen to this, you've accidentally downloaded part two. I would strongly recommend you go back and listen to part one. Mm-hmm. This will make. I'm going to give you a little summary to get us back in the zone of what yeah. what you've missed. But for people at home, it'll make much more sense, I imagine. Mm. You know what this summary is? Oh yeah. The summary is like a small version of. Book cheat. <laughs> book cheat cheat. This, this is the yeah, cheat. It's a book cheat cheat. So for people who can't listen to the whole episode of book cheat, they could just summarize. You're right. Summarize mm. for them. 
So maybe, yeah, the ultimate cheat is never listening to part one. <laughs> so I've got uh, previously on The Grapes of Wrath. And I love saying that, i got to mm. say. Felt good. Uh, so we met Tom Joad, who has been paroled from jail for homicide, only to find his Oklahoma family packing up their house and heading out west to California after being driven off their drought-ridden farm. Accurate. Rings a bell. You remember this? this? Coming remember Tom Joad is our main man. Yes. Yeah, main man. Uh, set during the Great Depression, they are one of thousands upon thousands of migrant families heading west looking for work. They started out with 13 members of the group, but are now down to 10. The grandparents both died on the journey, and one brother, Noah, left to follow a river. Mm-hmm. Yep. Noah. Potent- remember him. Potentially invent a flying vehicle. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I remember Noah with some regret because I listened back to our, our last episode and uh, I was really disappointed when we were talking about somebody leaving somebody as a witness to the great flood. Um, you know how Noah in the, in the Bible was left as, a, as the witness to tell the story of what happened. I, I'm really disappointed I didn't say witness the wetness. Mm, I was disappointed. That but we've yeah. got it in now. Yeah, well, felt shoehorned. Yeah. But if people play previous week's podcast and this one at the same time, ah. maybe it'll sync up <laughs> yeah. and that comment will come at the exact right time. That'd be perfect. <laughs> That's how good we are. So three are gone, but still in the party are Tom, his parents, Ma and Pa. There's Uncle John, Tom's pregnant sister, Rosa Sean, and her mm-hmm. husband, Connie. There's brother slash mechanic slash ladies man, Al. Tom's youngest siblings, who are still kids, Ruthie and Winfield. And also... Family friend slash ex-reverend Jim Casey, JC, JC himself. Yes. Hanging about. Mm-hmm. Ruthie and Winfield. Is that actually, it's pretty close to two brands of cigarettes, isn't it? Isn't that? It's, Ru- it's Ruthie there. Winnie, Ru- Winnie Blues and, and of course the, the, the Ruthies. The Ruthies. <laughs> Ruthie Reds. A roofie? No, Ruthie. that's, a, that's no, a, different yeah, a different thing. thing. Look, <laughs> I'm talking out of, you know, I'm, I'm out of my lane. We really didn't hear anything about those young siblings. They played no part whatsoever in no, the story. No, they'll, they'll have a small part in this next, next uh, half. They're going to die. Okay, they're predictions already? Oh. Everybody's going to die. Yeah, I think that they'll... <laughs> There's a <laughs> yeah. chance. Did we already talk about somebody settling... Silicon Valley and starting yeah. it up. That's yeah. right. You thought Ma yeah. was going to oh, move, okay. move to Silicon Valley because she's right. got, you know, well, tenacity. Yeah. They'll probably be um, sort of like the rich kids um, from, you know. And Instagram? Rich kids. Yeah. Well, I guess they could be. But, you know, they'll probably drive around convertibles of, off of Ma's money. And, mm. uh, and it'll be it'll be really a successful time for them, but they will never learn anything, and then there'll they'll be a car crash or something. Okay. <laughs> well, you never know. Uh, at the end of the last episode, they had made it to California, but their hopes had been somewhat dashed by a man who told them he'd, he'd been there and that there was no work. It's explained that people are only enticed over to, work, to keep work in high demand, and therefore wages stay very, very low. Andy predicted Tom Joad would kill again and that Ma will die close to the end and split up the family. Yep. Alistair predicted the brother Noah, who ran away, would invent a helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) Who will be right? We will find out. I don't want to be right. I don't want to be right. Uh, We also discovered that the many layers of the books in part one, John Steinbeck, the author, once wrote of this work, quote, there are five layers in this book. (laughs) I just can't believe (laughs) specifying the number of layers. And then he said, a reader will find as many as he can, and he won't find more than he has in himself. Wow. Well, we have found 
many, many layers. That obviously, right. Steinbeck only had five layers in himself. Yeah, exactly. Because we found, I think, in the mid-30s already. <laughs> We're only halfway through the story. So there's so many more layers to discover. So uh, we pick things up in on Chapter 19, which opens with the description of how California once belonged to Mexico, but a horde of tattered, feverish Americans drove in and claimed the land by squatting on it and farming. Generations later... Can I confirm, when you guys were growing up and people talked about squatters, did you assume that they were actually squatting? Like in the position of like bending their bottoms down to be close to the ground, keeping oh, their knees bent. right. So that's how they claim the land. And for some reason, like I was like, well, why would we use this word, which clearly has one very clear meaning <laughs> yeah. for something else? It's people coming and they just sort of squat down. They refuse to move. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, all right, well, you squat for long enough. <laughs> it's quite a hard position to hold for a long time. So yeah. I think if somebody does it, you can yeah. just give them the land under yeah. which wow. they, they're, they're doing That's it. That's right. It's finders keepers. You squat it, you got it. Yeah. You, have a, you have a squat off? A squat off. <laughs> you haven't hold <laughs> that squat the longest. <laughs> a squat off. <laughs> but if only they had assumed the position of lying down, they would have had been called layers. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so generation- and we're back in. Yeah. Here we go, Steinbeck. Generations later, the descendants of the Hordes are very wealthy because the land their forefathers stole is now protected by security guards. Over time, the farms got larger and larger and fewer and fewer. Oh, uh, security guards, also sheriffs and stuff that are uh, happy to keep the status quo. Um, over the time, the farms got larger and larger and fewer and fewer. And now desperate for work, the wages for the workers got lower and lower. So that's how we're in this awful situation. Mm. No well, unions, do you think? No, not a union in sight. And these Californian locals often resent migrants traveling over, taking their land, which is rather ironic because they also took the land. Mm. Uh, and they disparagingly refer, refer to these new people as Okies, as like the Jodes, many came from Oklahoma. But it wasn't just Oklahoma, it was many, many American states. Where people right. came from, but they but were it's, colloquially it's, it's referred the, to as Okies, and that was offensive. It's the age-old thing of like you're blaming migrants for, oh, they're the reason that the wages are low. It's because they do all the work and mm. that kind of thing. They'll do anything. Coming over here, taking our jobs. It's it's nothing's bloody changed. No. Well, it's amazing how quickly that kind of thing happened here when when we we you know we had like no coronavirus almost in in Australia, and then suddenly there was an outbreak in Victoria, and then suddenly like. If people saw a car with Victorian license plates in other states, they would be like, get out of here! Get out of <laughs> yeah. this bloody place, you bloody vicos! We are just waiting, aren't we? Yeah. Just prime <laughs> for a reason to rip into yeah. people for whatever. Mm, and it feels good. I was doing it. Yeah, were you? Even yeah. in Victoria. Well, yeah. Oh, what's that? You're, you're from... Bloody you're from Victoria! Western part of the town that I live in, I think. I would sometimes just shout at myself in the mirror for being a bloody Victorian. Absolutely. (laughs) So the landowners aim to keep these Okies down and impoverished so that they can't rise up, challenge the status quo, and take their land that they hold so dearly. Sure. They rightfully stole. Exactly. My grandfather stole this land rightfully. Fair and square. (laughs) If a migrant starts an illegal farm on a small part of one of these the large farmers' lands, it's quickly destroyed and the rebels face being arrested because the police are very much on the side of the Californians. I like that, though. You sneak a little farm into somebody else's farm. Yeah, because they're like, this, this farm is like half a million acres. I only need one. Yeah. And I'll just, you know, I have a little mm. patch for my family and apparently it'll get set fire to and then you'll be arrested. 
Why would they set fire to it? They could just pick a few of the <laughs> no, 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 no. ears of corn and just keep selling them down at the market. We'll never we learn salt that the earth so nothing will ever grow <laughs> yeah, again. <laughs> and then I'll punch myself in the face. <laughs> You'll have to watch this. <laughs> oh, man, it's very unpleasant for you to look at. <laughs> so that's, that's what's happening. Uh, the Joad family stop at a make, makeshift roadside camp nicknamed Hooverville. Oh. It's dirty, squalid, and crowded. Ironic, given it's named after a vacuum cleaner. Well, you think exactly, it would be cleaner? No, it's not at all. Mm. Not a Hoover in sight. Is that yeah. where they invented the the Hoover? Do you know that the inventor of the Hoover is also Hoover, the f- president of America? He invented the vacuum. He invented the vacuum cleaner. Herbert Hoover. Herbert Hoover invented the. Vacuum cleaner. Is that true? Is that true? Well, my dad told me. He wouldn't lie. <laughs> well, I just want you to know that I would love for to, to believe this, but I just I don't have any facts in front of me yet. And and this is based off of something India, uh, Andy's dad. Oh my God, called <laughs> calling Andy, me your wife's, wife's name. name. Yeah. We have a very healthy relationship, Dave. I want you to know that everything is above board. Um, I mean, do you want me to tell you that I've Googled who invented the Hoover and what came up, or would you rather live in blissful ignorance? Uh, you know, I'm going to be right either way, so you might as well tell me. I'm just uh, so Google has told me it's William Henry Hoover. That's the one, J. Edgar William Henry Hoover. <laughs> Wait, J. Edgar Hoover, somebody else, right? Shut up, Alistair. <laughs> There's now three Hoovers, <laughs> and together they formed a vacuum alliance. That's right. I can only imagine. Oh, okay. Damn. I really thought I was onto something. And I wanted to believe that, but I feel like that would they would that would person would have become the new founding father of America. (laughs) Let me just erase that page of the Constitution. Mm -hmm. Declaration of Independence, Constitution. God, there's a lot I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at it, and Herbert Hoover comes up, and he is described as American politician, businessman, and engineer. Yeah, see, I reckon he's. I reckon he's got his finger in that vacuum. What about Hoover Dam? Maybe he's. Hoover Dam. Oh, he's definitely Hoover Dam. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. But did he design it? And, and no, he just got them to make it once he was president and yeah. had it named after him, probably. Could you make a big dam name it after him? <laughs> <laughs> that was his thing. It says here, he was a mining engineer. I want to witness the witness. That's what he said. But <laughs> <laughs> he was making them build a big dam. <laughs> trying to get that catchphrase off the ground. Uh, you know what? My dad told me it was it was he was he'd invented the vacuum cleaner. I looked him up. I saw he was an engineer. I was like, that checks out. Good enough for me. Hey, good enough for me. That's two data points. You know as what? Far as I'm you know concerned. what? I never do. I actually never fact check my dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's so. rude to fact check your dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> give him something. <laughs> you you pull out the laptop. He says, "Have some respect." <laughs> <laughs> Shut, Shut up. Shut Who up. cares if it's true? <laughs> I told it to you. I'm your dad. It's a great anecdote. <laughs> I mean, what has Wikipedia done to dads? Once upon a time, they could say anything. Absolutely. They were the arbiter of... Oh, you just believe anything your dad said yeah. for sure. Mm. I'm going to make a separate Wikipedia. It's just for dads. Yeah. And it's <laughs> you, you put on there what you think. Yeah, whatever you think, that's true. <laughs> well, I'm just picking uh, facts off his Wikipedia page here, but I've just come... It just says, partly due to Hoover's efforts, the company that he worked for eventually controlled approximately 50% of gold production in Western Australia. Wow. That's wacky. 
That's, there you go. That's Hoover's mining company or who, the vacuum cleaner Hoover? <laughs> no, sorry. This is Herbert Hoover, future president, okay. former mining engineer. Right. Wow. Wow. He, had any, he set foot in, in Australia. Well, he was the – and it, this all ties back because he was declared president and then shortly after the stock market crashed and it was the start of the Great Depression. So here we are. Man, timing. <gasps> it all works out. Back to, back to the book. Takes us straight back. So they're back. They're at Hooverville, mm-hmm. dirty squalid camp mm. on the side of the road. A young man named Floyd tells Tom, our main man, that there isn't any work going. When he explains about the farm owners owning everything and not letting anyone grow their own stuff, Tom wonders out loud why the workers don't team up together and just demand better conditions. Floyd explains that this would result in being branded a red communist type thing and arrested before being put on a work blacklist. So when Tom talks about fighting back against the police, the man tells him he'll wind up dead in a ditch and then the local paper will just say, vagrant found dead. So that's what he's dealing with. Tough. Yeah, I'm worried about what the papers will say when I die. (laughs) (laughs) Vagrant found dead. (laughs) Oh, come on. Ah. I had a science radio show. Come on, I'm all right. Come on. Well, Casey, the former preacher, uh, this is JC, Ah, uh, yes. Wonders how he can help the people. Hmm? Mm, remind yep. you of anyone? Yeah. My dad. Yep. Very <laughs> full of facts. None of them are right, but very nice. The whole journey he's been observing the people around him, and he says to Tom, quote, there's an ar- army of us out here with no harness. Uh-oh. Hmm, so there's a lot of people here. Why aren't we uh, pushing back against anything? Yeah. So, uh, I, my, my Jesus Parallels are really clicking yeah. into place, aren't they? Was was Jesus a unionist? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he got to the carpenters, obviously, and then got them to <laughs> yeah. form he, the, the, uh, got the CWMFEU. Sure. <laughs> then he got the Wharfies cover, coming in, yeah. Yeah, and then he was, you know, the stevedores, and he controlled a lot of the drug trade because, mm. you know, that's the point of entry. And, yeah, um, right. yeah. and, and they then, made uh, and he, the wire about him. Oh, I was going to say, that, and then, then you had... Uh, <laughs> McNulty. <laughs> oh, the other guy. The other guy who's, you know, say hello to my little friend. That guy. Scarface. Scarface. <laughs> uh, this has worked out. Jesus Scarface. That's going to be a great movie. <laughs> <make> that. <laughs> Jesus. It's like unionist Jesus, but then he becomes war- a drug lord. He takes a lot of drugs. Yeah. Jesus then... on cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what the movie's called? Jesus on cocaine? Yeah. Disney on ice? Jesus on cocaine. Oh, yeah, that's right. Jesus on ice. Makes sense. Mm. A uh, work contractor pulls into Hooverville and asks, who wants to work? Floyd, the man who was warning Tom about sticking his neck out, decides to go against his own advice and he tells the man that he'll only work if he gets a contract that states up front how much money he'll be paid. Wary of being ripped off in the past. Yeah, sounds like bloody communism to me. (laughs) Well, the contractor refuses and when Floyd doesn't back down, he summons a deputy who arrests Floyd on a made-up charge. When Tom tries to say that Floyd didn't do anything, he's told he better shut up or he'll be arrested too. <laughs> <laughs> Saying people shouldn't be arrested, that's an arresting offence. <laughs> oh, you better not say that. <laughs> and remember, Tom is on bail and because he um, well, has been paroled, he wasn't he allowed to the leave state. the state. Yes, yeah. so he, there is a bit of worry about, well, if he gets arrested for anything, he'll end up going back to jail. And this, but, but also, America, America, if you're listening, America... You, but don't you also have the system where you can just go across state lines and then you're fine? Yeah. I mean, sort yourself out. Is it you, you, you can kill, 
go across straight state lines, no one can follow you because it's outside their jurisdiction, mm. or is it going out across state lines is a crime in itself and they can send you back for it? Yeah, I don't know. It's probably federal crimes. Maybe uh, murder is a federal crime. Yes. I don't know. I don't know enough about uh, American law, but I want you to know that some of it is silly. <laughs> <laughs> so... Floyd gets arrested, but he breaks free and punches the sheriff and then runs away. Ah, uh, yes. Wait, Floyd does or Tom? Floyd. Floyd, he punches the sheriff and then bolts. When the sheriff goes after him, Tom strategically puts his foot out and trips the officer and he falls down quite hard. Mm. The sheriff, now on the ground, pulls out his gun and, fl- and fires it at Floyd, but misses and the reckless shot hits a woman in the hand and blows a large part of it off. So it's pretty nasty. Yeah. That's when... She's going to need some piss mud. (laughs) (laughs) The whole camp just starts pissing. (laughs) An ambulance pulls up super fast. They all get out. They're all pissing. (laughs) Lady, stick your hand in this. There's no time to bunch it up. (laughs) I'm going to need 10 cc's of piss. (laughs) That's when Reverend Casey comes along and kicks the copies on the ground. So hard that he passes out. So he just kicks him, I assume, in the head. Just like Jesus used to do. <laughs> yeah. Stomping cops. Mm. Knowing that more police will now arrive, one of their owners has been hurt and knocked out. Yeah, I've played GTA. Yeah. <laughs> First it's a few more cops, yeah, but right. then it's the army. Suddenly you've got three stars, four stars. You're on yeah. six stars at this point. <laughs> Reverend Casey, Jim Casey, a.k.a. JC, volunteers to take the blame. What? Wow. He's been looking he's for... He's sacrificing a, himself. He's been this looking for a noble cause the whole book. And knowing that Tom Joad is broken parole, he doesn't want his friend to get the blame. Sure enough, more cops arrive, and Casey says, it was me. And the cop who was passed out goes, uh, I guess it was him. I didn't really see who kicked me. Yeah, let's arrest him. So they take him away. Feels like that's not going to go good for him. No. That's, that's the last we'll see of... JC. Or is it? Noah, JC! You're here! Flying him back Help in. us out! Noah's flying the copter and JC's on the, on the machine gun on yeah. the side of it. Get us out of Silicon Valley! <laughs> Ma's going crazy with power! <laughs> the bubble's about to burst! <laughs> The Jodes are told they better get out as the camp will be burnt down by the cops in retaliation that night. It seems like everybody knows the, knows the rules, you know, in a way, like they know where they stand. Ah, oh, you kick a cop, they burn it down. Burn Those, it down. You, know, it, you know, there's a system. And there's people... There's structure. And people they, crave structure like that. Sure absolutely. as the sun rises in the east. And or they, wherever it rises. As they're packing up, they actually see a lot of the camp starts leaving, but then some of them stay there and they say, ah... Oh, They've burned it down heaps of times. We'll just come back. So they, they go off into the forest for a bit. Their camp gets burnt down and then they just start again. Yeah. Well, you can't all leave. If you all leave, there'll be nothing to burn. And then they've got that burning rage. Yeah, just that's right. Inside them. Burn urge. <laughs> burn yearn. <laughs> we all yearn to burn. So as they're packing up, they realise that, the, that Rosa Sean's husband, Connie, is missing. I didn't even know Connie was here. I forgot about Connie. Remember Connie? Yeah, so thought... she's pregnant. This is her husband, yeah. father of the baby. He's yeah. going to go and go to school at night. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he and she, they were talking about the plan was he was going to go to school, eventually get a better job. They're going to live in the city, not on a farm anymore, live yeah. in a nice house together. Earlier in the day, he'd been talking about how leaving Oklahoma was a mistake. Uh-oh. 
Now he's run away and left his pregnant wife. Rosa Sean is not surprisingly devastated, continually referring to the plan her and Connie had, saying he was going to go to night school. What's happened? She thinks he'll come back, but the family immediately realised he skipped out on her. Yep. So Connie is gone. We're down to nine. Jeez. That's that's they got to, that's good though because when they find the treasure at the end they got to split it few ways. Yeah, that's right. It's no longer a prime number. And exactly. you don't have to give stuff to the kids because I mean they don't need treasure. You can give them the, the box they prefer to play with the chest that <laughs> the comes chest. in. You know, they'll have plenty of time. Oh, I'd be stressed if they were playing with the chest. They get the fingers in the hinges and doesn't matter as long as they're happy. Happy until they get their fingers in the hinges. Mm. Now, you might be thinking, Jesus, this is all a bit bleak, isn't it? Well, there's a slight <laughs> respite here. <laughs> okay. Because the Jodes hit the road. Fantastic sentence. Mm. And uh, hear about a government camp that might be able to take them in. And luckily, they enough they arrive to get the last spot. Jeez. They pull into this camp that they've heard a rumor about. Someone's like, oh, it's pretty good over there. But it's full. But they're like, well, take it, take it, you know, take a chance. They get there. Oh, someone just left. Take this spot. Oh, if it was so good, why would people be leaving? Mm. I think so this. I think. Wait, let's rip the mask off this blessing. It was a blessing in disguise. No, wait, no. It was. No, wait, wait, wait. This was blessing a, was a blessing in disguise. It was a curse in disguise. <laughs> nobody ever says curse in disguise. No, they don't. Yeah, but then no, nobody ever after they you rip off the thing. Mm. Usually, that you know the beard and the hat and the sunglasses off of the thing to find out that it's a blessing. Nobody ever pulls on the face of the blessing to find out whether oh, that's real no. and if it's really a curse. So you're happy to live in ignorance, aren't you? Mm, Thinking, sorry. oh, it's a blessing. Everyone make... shut up. Yeah, if just... I was a curse, I would I would put one blessing mask on and then another curse mask on over the top. Yeah. People pull the first mask off. They think I'm a blessing. They stop pulling. Yeah. No more questions asked. Yeah. Right. Or masked. <laughs> God, um, but yeah, it is. It is. It is always a bit sus when you show up anywhere and they're like, "Oh, we've got one last place." You know, that's the hard sell. That's bloody yeah. timeshare bullshit. That's mm. the you're the one millionth visitor. Quick, the offer's about to expire. <laughs> well, so they get they there, get you in, and everyone is lovely. Oh my god! Uh, it's even go worse s- than I ever this is imagined. Go so bad. <laughs> <laughs> There's running water, hot water, and even flushing toilets. The family has never seen them in their lives, and the young boy Winfield is worried he's broken it when he pulls the chain and it starts flushing. Think about this. I know there's a flushing toilet is is luxurious, but think about this: hot flushing. Toilets. <laughs> Oh, yes. The water comes down. It's boiling. It's boiling hot. You did not want to get any splash back. <laughs> but the steam's rising. Pungent oh, piss and shit steam. <laughs> it's like a broth in every bowl. Mm. The, oh, the, the boil. There's, a, there's an element in there from a kettle, and it keeps the water boiling oh, all the time. You do. Drop it into <laughs> kills everything on the shit, you know, and the piss. Oh, that's true. Mm. Hygienically, it might be good. Yeah, well, except yeah. for the stuff that sort of gets carried up with the steam and goes right up into your all of your air holes, <laughs> to your brain. Yeah. Like, uh, like plumbers have to constantly wear like a boiler suit with gloves on. That's right, just to mm-hmm. fix it. Absolutely. Not like imagine having to wear gloves as a plumber, <laughs> <laughs> a boiler suit and gloves. The plumbers have to wear a boiler suit and gloves. <laughs> Not like plumbers that we know who just go in with speedos and nothing else. <laughs> oh, they do. Yeah. They are, they are gung ho. Yeah. 
They don't like wearing latex gloves. They, like, oh. they can't feel. Exactly. You need to feel <laughs> the clog. Yeah. Mm. Um, wait, what happened? To, what did the kid do? Oh, the kid flushed oh, the he toilet. He flushed the toilet and he, he went away and then he started being like, Mom, Mom, I broke it. I'm so sorry. I broke the toilet. And she comes in and goes, oh, I hear that's what they're supposed to do because even she's never even seen a flushing toilet before. I, I'm jealous. I've never been blown away by a new toilet technology. Mm. Yeah. Really? Have you been to Japan? Yeah, been no, been I haven't. No. Okay. But are they really that good? Or is, I, because I think that things like oh, the seat lifts itself up and down and that kind that's of stuff. Garbage, that's garbage, That's garbage. No, but the sensation of a of a like a a water jet caressing your sort of your nerve ends <laughs> endings. What, um, what about the the heated seat? Have you experienced one of those? No, I haven't. Quite nice in winter. Mm. Okay. Yeah, and in the summer. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, you know, and but it's mostly that water jet and yeah. all those nerve endings <laughs> at the, and the, uh, around your rim. <laughs> you go, I wish this toilet could fondle my butthole. You, you go oh. while I'm here. I'm taking my pants off anyway. <laughs> I'm sure my my anus could be a little cleaner. <laughs> so you stay there a little longer. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're blown away by even the most basic of toilet technologies. The camp is self-run and self-sufficient, with everyone paying their way by doing chores around the camp. Communism. Yeah, it is, honestly, it's a, it's a bit of a commune going on. And a, an appointed committee is in charge of everything, and really it's a very harmonious place. The women's committee visits Ma and makes her feel like a human for the first time in a long time. She's very happy She's to been be a killing machine for a while. Mm. Yeah. She's finally able to let her guard down a bit. And probably the best part about the camp is that sheriffs aren't allowed in. <laughs> Wow. They have a sign saying no sheriffs and they don't know what to do. <laughs> this is great. This is a government camp? Yeah. yeah. So is it is it kind of a bit of a lawless place, this in this uh California at the time? Is it kind of it was a bit like I mean, I know the sheriffs, but are the sheriffs But I think in a way that's worse than lawless, isn't it? Like like if you've got sheriffs who are corrupted, mm. that's worse than not having any sheriffs. Oh, at all. they are extremely corrupted. They're violent, especially against uh quote unquote okies coming yeah. in. So you'd be like, pr- I wish we had a lawless wasteland. We've got this law lawful wasteland. Yeah, that's real bad. I'm not. I'm, I yeah. feel like I'm correcting you, but I'm not. I, I don't know why it's ended no. up that way. No, I understand. I, no, but I am agreeing with you. I'm yeah. just nodding, but it just doesn't sound like enough. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like deathly silence. You, yeah. If you flick your head hard yeah, enough, yeah, you can just true. sort of get that clapping of the chin <laughs> yeah, on the neck. Maybe, maybe sort of your brain, you're hitting the edge of your skull. Sort of, there'd be a thud. I mean, I mean would it kill you? Would it kill you to shake your brain around in your skull a bit so that it's audible, Alistair? Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when Tom rocks up at the camp, he speaks to the like sort of the camp manager, and he's like, "What do you mean there's no cops here? Well, what mm. happens if someone like acts out?" And he says, "Well, we just sorted out sorted out ourselves. Like, you know, people just sort of we give them a warning, and then if they continue the behaviour, we just kick them out of the camp. And it's such a nice place to be that people more often than not just fall into line." Mm. And Tom's like, "What do you mean people are just <laughs> trusted to be good? He can't. It, it blows his mind." I am really um, excited to learn how this goes bad. Yeah. Well, Tom is even able to find a couple of days of labouring work. Remember, they're desperate to find work to mm. get a bit of money. But sadly, he's the only one with the others driving around uh, day after day looking for non-existent jobs. Yeah. But whilst Tom is out on his job, he learns from the owners that the sheriffs are keen to get into the camp to break it up. The worry is that by giving these so-called Okies a comfortable life, soon they will demand to live like this all the time. The only way the sheriffs are allowed in if there's a disturbance in the camp, but because it's so well run, this never happens. 
So Saturday night is the camp's monthly dance where invited outsiders are allowed to come along. So the farmer tells Tom he's heard that some locals are planning to go up and stir trouble, create a brawl which will then give some cops who are waiting by means to storm the gates and break up the camp. Oh, man. Bit of an inside Mm. job. Yeah. It's amazing how often, like, discipline is just preemptive discipline in the the anticipation that, like, oh, if this person gets this, they're going to want this. There's so much of that where it's like, I'm not entirely sure this is true, but also... Even if they did want to keep living like that in this yeah. camp, wouldn't that be okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be okay if they just lived like but that? But they're, like, they, they're going to start demanding rights. We yeah. don't want to give these guys rights. Yeah, I see how that affects their quality of life. Yeah. If, if, we, if we make them unhappy all the time, they're never going to want things. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody who was unhappy ever wanted anything. Well, Tom goes back to the camp and tells the head what's happening and they're able to form a little task force that monitors the dance and Tom is able to help kick out the undercover troublemakers before they start any trouble. Undercover troublemakers. Mm. Nice. Because you got, as you come in, you've got to say who's invited you. And uh, three men say, oh, Andy Matthews invited me. Yeah. So they go, they go up to Andy and say, hey, did you invite these three guys? And Andy says... What the hell are you talking about? I don't know those guys. So they kick him out. And as they kick him out, they see like cop cars out the front waiting with their lights on, ready to storm. But they never do because people just this have a great time. This is so time. good. This yeah. is so satisfying. Yes. So good. It's going to be a real happy ending. Book, I think. <laughs> well, some of the more religious types in the camp are worried about young people who partake in, quote, clutch and hug dancing. Which sounds quite risque. Mm, it's probably a bit like daggering. Thing, <laughs> basically sort of having sex on the dance floor. No, I, sort I, of dry humping and stuff. I've, I'm not familiar with the, the phenomenon of daggering. You've never listened to Pawn the Floor by Major Lazer? Watch the, their YouTube video? Uh, the, the, uh, the music video? It's a, it's, it's a dance style. It's quite vigorous. It's a lot of, um, a lot of hip movement and, right. um, and gripping. And uh, a lot of clutching and hugging. Is this, is this, am I right in thinking that like some daggering, you like like the people like climb up a ladder and climb literally ladder. like leap down in, in, in between somebody's legs? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't let me into the da- into many clubs when I show up with my ladder, and it feels like discrimination. I have to bring stilts that I can fit in, like sort of under my shirt. <laughs> wow. I could only bring in this step ladder. <laughs> Well, we take a break from the the Jode family for one of our short scenes. Remember how there's a mm. plot on the family, but then there'll be like you know a mini chapter on three or four pages that sort of describe what's happening in California at the time to give you an overall Divide, image. Man. Uh, and this part shows that even local Californian farmers are being screwed by large corporations. They wait as their debts rise, and oranges and grapes and other crops are forced to rot on the ground. And this is where we get the title of the book. Are they the ones that are rotten on the ground? Are the grapes of wrath? Well, the quote is, In the souls of the people, the grapes of wrath are filling and growing heavy, growing heavy for the vintage. (laughs) Uh, That quote itself is a biblical reference to the book of Revelation, which reads, So the angel swung his sickle to the earth and gathered the clusters from the vines of the earth and threw them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And I did read somewhere that uh, Steinbeck didn't have a title, and then his wife said suggested you should call it the Grapes of Wrath based on that line. I got I got to yeah. say it's a cool title. It's really it's cool. A, it's it's intriguing. Great. Yeah, yeah. 
Because so far, you know, you'd think there'd be more. you think it'd be a bit more like that movie where, where the guy goes, I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot. <laughs> sideways. Yeah, sideways. You know, you think it'd be a bit more like that. You know, Grapes of Wrath. It's yeah. Like, I mean, that that movie should have been called Grapes of Wrath. <laughs> yes. You know? But it was already taken. That's why they had to call it Sideways, which doesn't make any sense. No. But, I mean, if your original title's not taken, you just, you call it something random. Exactly. I watched that movie. They're driving around a lot, always Fords. No drifting at all taking place in That's sideways. Right. <laughs> really, to- Tokyo Drift, Fast and Furious, should have been called Sideways. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but was that already taken? Let's reallocate yeah. all the names yes, this from should, all the this films. This book should have been called Tokyo Drift. <laughs> <laughs> and then we've closed the triangle. <laughs> That's right. As long as you have something to sub it out with, you're allowed to change the story. Everything's come full triangle. <laughs> Hey team, just Dave here letting you know that this week's episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible, of course, being the leading provider of spoken word entertainment, and they put it all in one place. We can find the largest selection of audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to new releases, celebrity memoirs, languages, business, motivation, and of course, classics. Audible also includes original entertainment from top celebrity creators and thousands of popular and binge-worthy podcasts. And if you're an Audible member like me, you get one credit every month, good for any title in their premium selection. And once you pick them, those titles are yours to keep forever in your Audible library. You also get full access to their popular Plus catalogue filled with thousands and thousands of audiobooks, original entertainment, guided fitness and meditation, sleep tracks for better rests, and of course, podcasts. And you can download and stream those as much as you want, no credits needed. And I said classics are on there, and you better believe that there is... A version of The Grapes of Wrath. And not just any version, but on Audible, I would recommend you check out the dramatised version of The Grapes of Wrath. Made a few years ago by the BBC, starring Robert Sheehan. You might know from Misfits, Love, Hate or The Umbrella Academy. If you find my version's not quite enough, why not listen to a dramatised version where you get the accents, the music, the story and so much more. So, if you'd like to get started with Audible, including a 30-day free trial, visit audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. One more time, that's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500 to get started with Audible today. Bookcheat is also sponsored by ExpressVPN, a service that I use every single day. One, to protect my privacy and security, but we all know VPNs do that. But I didn't know until recently that a VPN can also take your TV watching game to the next level. That's right, you can use a VPN to unlock movies and TV shows that are only available in other countries. For example, I used ExpressVPN recently to binge Doctor Who on the UK Netflix. But if I wanted to return that favour, you could binge Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on the Australian Netflix. All you got to do, it's so simple, I just fired up the ExpressVPN app, I changed my location to the UK, refreshed to Netflix, and that's it. ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. And that way you can choose from almost 100 countries, so just think about all the Netflix libraries that you can go through. Love anime? Well, use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix and be spirited away, if you know what I mean. So, if you visit my special link right now, expressvpn.com slash bookcheat, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. You'll be supporting the show, you can watch what you want, and you'll be protecting yourself 
If you go to expressvpn.com slash bookcheat, expressvpn.com slash bookcheat, get into it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So as nice as the camp is, with everyone able to bathe every single day, which is, they love, they've never washed this much in their life with running mm. hot water, running hot toilets. Without work, they can't... But what do you do with your piss? (laughs) All this piss is just going to waste. (laughs) Well, they decide without work they cannot afford to feed themselves and now supplies are low. So they're able to, uh, at the camp, you know, get by and they do chores around the thing to fund their stay, but they're running low on food and they can't afford it anymore. Ma decides that after a month they must move on and try and find work somewhere else. Uh Uh-oh. As they are leaving, they're told by a jeweled-up man in a suit. Mr. T? He sounds good. <laughs> I don't know. He sounds trustworthy. Trustworthy. He says, hey, you're looking for work? Gets out of a nice car and they go, yes, yes, sir, mister, we sure are. He says they can find work 35 miles away picking peaches. And they're like, fantastic. I reckon that's a big drive for them, though, right? Like 35 miles. This point? Well, I think they decide we've got just enough in the petrol tank yeah. to get us there. See, that's the thing. They're going to be able to get back. They're going to be stuck. Well, stuck. They're stuck Stuck there. they are. Mm. <laughs> well, the family do drive there and they get to the edge of the farm and there's all these police who escort them onto the property as gathered crowds yell and jeer at them. And the family are very confused, a little bit scared. Not sure what's going on. Oh, are they crossing the picket line? Well, they're, yeah, getting... Escorted. Escorted. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Being yelled Sounds at. like they're crossing a layer of people. <laughs> <laughs> well, they get shown to where they're staying, and it's one of uh, many dirty shacks in a line. They get told they'll get five cents per box of peaches that they pick, which is very little. But the family are now so desperate for work, they just get out there and start picking. At the end of the day, after a whole day's picking, the family only get paid one dollar between them. And then when Ma goes to the shop on the property, which is, of course, also owned by the banker slash larger farming corporation. Everything costs a dollar. Yeah, everything's been greatly inflated. And for one dollar, she's barely able to feed the entire family. Again, the system works perfectly. Hmm. She even shames the man behind the counter because he sort of laughs a bit. And she's like, well, why are you laughing? Do you get paid well? Is this your shop? And he goes, oh, no. (laughs) She goes, well, they're screwing you too. And he's like, yeah. She she says, well, can I have some sugar? And he goes, have you got 10 cents? And she says, no, I only have a dollar. But my you know, my family wants sugar with their coffee. And she shames him into giving it to her. Yes. And as Ma leaves, she says, I'm learning one thing good. Learning it all the time, every day. If you're in trouble or hurt or need, go to poor people. They're the only ones that'll help. The only ones. And then she slams the door and then the... <laughs> Shopkeeper just looks bewildered, apparently. Yeah. 
But it's nice to know that shame still has some power. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some currency. It's one of the greatest currencies. Yeah, that's right. I got paid a dollar today, but I also got paid $50 in shame. <laughs> that's, that's the great thing is that you've got limitless amounts of shame. Oh. To be honest, you would think that the value of uh, you know one shame unit would be completely almost It's worthless. the only currency that doesn't inflate. Yeah. <laughs> it's always, shame springs eternal. It's why people are deflated when they feel shame. Yeah. And if you can feel more shame than anyone else, mm. are you the richest person? <laughs> I am, yes. Mm. Thank you for asking. That's right, yeah. You never worked a day in your life. But. Because. I got lots of sugar. Got lots of sugar. <laughs> Shame sugar. It's the sweetest sugar there is. <laughs> well, that night, Tom decides to go out and investigate what's going on outside the property. He finds it's weird, weird that there's guards with guns everywhere and that they had to get escorted by police onto the farm. He's like, I'm going to go look into this. And he says to the family, anyone want to come? And they're all like, nah. <laughs> I'm not curious about that at all. <laughs> not at all. None Doesn't of... seem weird to <laughs> Honestly, me. Pa's like, none of my business. I don't want to know. <laughs> So Tom sneaks away and comes across a tent. So he has to sneak uh, by the by these guards because they're not allowed to leave the property. And then like he's, he has to sort of crawl under barbed wire under the cover of darkness. Yeah, that doesn't really feel like work to me, does it? Like you know, it doesn't feel like a, a normal job. You're not allowed to leave. Yeah, sounds a bit like something else. Well, prison. Or slavery. Slavery, yeah. Well, And the way they spin it is he, the guys with guns say, where are you off to? And he says, oh, I'm just going for a walk. And he says, you can't go that way for your own safety is how they spin it. So mm-hmm. stay on the property for your own safety. Yeah, but it also means they can't go to any other shops or anything. Or Yeah, that's right. You know, spend their micro, money. microclimate economy thing, you know. Are they even getting paid in real dollars or are they like, uh, you know, Magic Mountain tokens? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're not accepted anywhere. <laughs> so he sneaks away. Yeah. And he comes across a tent, and inside it is none other than his old friend, Reverend Jim Casey. <gasps> hey, JC. JC. He He's explained, on the lamb. He explains to Tom that he spent some time in prison after being arrested in Hooverville for assaulting that sheriff, and that during that time it got him thinking about the plight of the common man. Yes. I got news for JC. I think he might be a common man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the once religious leader has had a revelation and is now involved in organising workers into union-like groups. The reason Tom saw those men on the edge of the farm jeering at them when they arrived is that those men used to work on the farm, but as Al predicted, they are on strike. Oh, nice. That's why they were jeering at the new people being shipped in. Casey explains that the men's wages dropped to just two and a half cents per box of peaches, which wasn't even enough to feed themselves, so they went on strike. And the only reason the Jodes are being paid five cents per box is because of the strike, and as soon as the cops can break it up, then it will surely drop back down to the 2.5 cents per box. It's incredible that it's actually it's working. You know, mm. <laughs> yeah, because like they could have just paid them two and a half cents and then those people wouldn't have known. But I guess they they were like, oh, maybe that's a revolting amount of money, you know, like that causes the people to. Yeah, well, they you find the level yeah. that causes people to revolt mm. and then you just pitch it a little bit higher Bring than that. A little bit. And you, then you find, that's the minimum wage. You go, all right, well, we found three, it. And they go, oh, they're still dying of starvation. All right. We get it up to three and a half, and that's my final offer. Mm. Survivable and unrevoltable. Yeah. You, you just, I mean, this, this, this is, <laughs> when we, like, when I studied economics for all of one subject at, at uni, it mm. is that, you know, in a, in a 
properly functioning economy, everyone makes the minimum amount of money possible. Isn't that that right? is actually the idea. <laughs> It's uh yeah well, usually the people on the bottom though right yeah oh yeah. definitely them yeah. yeah people on top are skimming off as much as they can because I guess your your people on the bottom are making as little amount of money as possible so that the people on the top can get as much as possible right? people who own the company well I think in theory even the, even companies that shouldn't make any profit like in an ideal economy. Mm. There's no profit made by any of the companies. Of course, we never get to that state. That's the sort of held out like the carrot of like, well, that's that's where we're going towards. But it, it never gets that way because the markets are always manipulated. Mm. And, also, and it I turns think... out the people who decide how much money everyone should get paid always decide that they themselves should get paid quite a bit because yeah. it's quite a hard job right, but if you... out how much mm. everyone should get paid. Yeah, that's true. But if you distributed all the wealth evenly, then the minimum wage would also be the maximum wage. <gasps> Also and the average wage. <laughs> <laughs> also the average wage. <laughs> yeah, I'm on an average wage. <laughs> so Casey explains what's been happening. And at that moment, they hear what sounds like people outside the tent. So they go outside and they see two policemen with torches. They shine them on Casey and they recognize him as the leader of the strike. Casey says, you fellas don't know what you're doing. You're helping to starve kids. And with that, one of the men strikes Casey on the head with a pickaxe handle. <laughs> The torch shines on his lifeless body, his head caved in. And that's from the handle. Yeah, he's been hit so hard it killed him. Wow, we only just met him again. Yeah. And he's dead. Don't it always seem to go. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what a pickaxe looks like? Mm -hmm. A bit like a cross. Curved kind of top cross. (laughs) You know? Anyway, layer. Okay. You know? Because he's kind of a curved version of, cur- <laughs> of, of Jesus. You Just know? imagine Christ, but curvy. Yeah. Real Christs have curves. You know? That's <laughs> this guy had big. They don't. You, know, you, you didn't summarize it, but he had, he had probably had a big butt. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Huge. Yeah. And uh, he was a plus size reverend. Yeah. Is he thick with two C's? Oh yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so Tom, seeing this, grabs. The man's axe handle swings it and first misses his target, hitting the shoulder. But his second strike hits the man, this is a police officer, in the head. Kills him. And then he hits him three more times as he's lying on the ground. Kills him. Bashing in his head. That sounds like a killing. Uh Uh-oh, Andy's prediction. Tom takes a glancing blow from the other police officer, but he's able to run away into the darkness where he hides in the bushes. Tom quietly returns to camp and crawls into bed, but he can't sleep because his face is aching and his nose is almost certainly broken because he's been hit in the face himself. Mm. In the morning, his family are like, what the hell happened to you? (laughs) He explains what happened. I slept wrong. I slept on my my nose wrong. (laughs) This pillow was awful. I slept on a policeman's head four times. (laughs) Man, if you're going to kill that one police officer, you may as well kill the other one that saw you do it, right? Look, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I'm, I don't want to speak out of my lane, right? <laughs> I'm not a, no, I'm not a cop killer. No, but you are saying that if you do, you did kill one cop, you would kill all cops. Well, you should kill the second one who saw you kill it. Right. What if the third one saw you kill the second one? <laughs> well, well, you, you gotta know, kill them you gotta as well. Kill that guy too. <laughs> yeah. If there's an endless chain of cops, you have, you are, you're, you're yeah, going to Let's just say your arm's going to get tired. Yeah. <laughs> but in this scenario, in that way, he did a very silly thing. Twice. Two silly things. Whoops. And I don't know which one is worse than the other. <laughs> <laughs> well, now he's he's back in the, the accommodation, but he has a large wound on his cheek and a broken nose. 
He's not sure if he killed the cop or not, but he knows that they'll be looking for him. And now he's got these uh, telltale signs of you know trauma on his face. He lays low. A little bit of piss mud can't fix. <laughs> he walks around just covered in mud. <laughs> you should just lay face first in the mud. <laughs> just like, you know, the workers come out. What are you doing? Mm. You go, just healing my face. <laughs> he lays low inside whilst everyone except his sister, the pregnant one, Rosa Sean, goes out peach picking. And he's... And if anyone... Uh, uh, she's going to lose the baby. She's working too hard. Oh, no. Well, she's not. She, she stays with Tom. Oh, I thought she went out picking. No, everyone goes everyone out except Rosa Sean, and and it's instructed if anyone comes ask what's what's happening happening with Tom, just say he's really sick. Yeah, nice. They come home that night, and what do you know? The price per box has gone down to just two point five cents, and word is that the police officer was killed. So people <sighs> out on the picking field are talking about it, and they've already spun the story that Tom struck first and killed the officer for no reason. Also, they know it's Tom. Well, they know, oh, whoever, they're like, whoever, whoever killed this cop, yeah. he just killed him for no reason. So what about Jim Casey, who's lying there dead? Yeah, they've just sort of put that under a rug. So now there's, there's talk of a lynching. They're oh. like, when we find this man, we're going to kill him. Mm. Tom insists that he must leave the family to protect them. But Iron Fist Ma demands that he must stay. So they come up with a plan to leave the farm and smuggle Tom out, hidden between two mattresses in the back of the truck. Yeah, a little mattress sandwich. Mm, <laughs> yeah, he's in there. I'll yeah, do you. Work. Well, as they're leaving, they're stopped at the gate by a shotgun-carrying guard who asks, hey, what happened to that other guy that was with you? And Pa plays dumb and says, oh, you mean that hitchhiker? Uh, he left a couple of days ago. Falling for the story, they are able to leave. Yes. You say he plays dumb, but I think he played very smart. Yeah. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. I think he should have said, He's dead. I don't know why I said that. I had no idea. <laughs> he's dead to me. I think he should have said he's between those two mattresses. Mattress. Oh, no. Hang on. No, I don't know why I said that. He's between those two this mattresses. harder than it looks. But then the guy with the shotgun's like, you okies crack me up. <laughs> Slaps the back of the truck. And A man driving. between two mattresses. <laughs> I thought I'd heard it all. So the original plan is to leave the farm and drive as far away as possible to protect Tom. Hopefully where people aren't looking for a man with a broken nose mm. and a big scar on his face. But riding in the back, Tom sees a sign and gets the family to pull over. He whacks on the back of the truck. He does it twice, actually. And the second time, Al's like, who's driving, is like, what the hell is it now? Mm. The sign that Tom has seen says, cotton pickers wanted. And cotton picking is what the family does best. So that's what they did on their own farm. So maybe they can make a little money. Mm. Tom proposes that the family go get work and camp together whilst he goes off and lives out in the bush, waiting for his recognisable injuries to recover. Mark can bring him food once a day, and once his face heals, he can rejoin the family and just seamlessly start working alongside them, and hopefully no one will ever recognise him. That sounds really good. Yeah. I think, it, it, look, it's, it's achievable, I feel like. And there was night time, you know, they, they, were, you know, they were probably more focused on the fact that they had just killed a man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how- yeah, they just had torches. How good could their torches have been yeah. at the time? Right? We're talking battery torches? I imagine battery torches. Yeah. Do you think so? I don't know. Yeah, because it does talk about shining on the body of, of Reverend Casey. So I think you don't oh, really do that with a, the know. torch of a... Did they have batteries back kind of, then? could be some kind of gas thing. It could be like a gas lamp. Yeah. Okay. I'm imagining mm. something that it, you, you direct the light. Yeah. When did Edison invent the light globe? Right, because you wouldn't have had a torch if you didn't have a globe. 
Mm. Who cares if you've got batteries? You're not doing nothing with those batteries. I mean, the torch wouldn't have been just like like a rag wrapped onto a stick with a flame on it, right? It wouldn't have been that, right? Yeah, no, I didn't think so, but don't know. When light bulb. Alistair's going to try and shed some light on this particular early little conundrum. When was the light bulb invented? 1923. Oh, I would think earlier. 1905. Man, 1879. Whoa! What about battery? Oh, the battery would have been well before that. Oh, yeah. But a torch battery? (laughs) Oh, the torch battery. (laughs) 1800. When was the the When did somebody think to put the two of these these things together? Flashlight, January 10, 1899. (laughs) We have the day? Yeah. We have the very day? (laughs) On January 10, 1899, British inventor David Meisel, or Meisel, obtained... A U.S. president, a patent. A U.S. president. <laughs> U.S. patent. Hoover. <laughs> Number six one seven five nine two assigned to American Electrical Novelty and Manufacturing Company. This electric device, designed by Mazel, was powered by D batteries laid front to back in a paper tube with the light bulb and a rough brass reflector. So D batteries. Mm. Those batteries. That shape and that format of battery. D. That's the original. Has been around for 120 years at least? I don't think we can doubt this paragraph. I think it must be the, the case. That's fantastic. Yeah. I've always, you know, well, not always, but I've, I've, I've often wondered that, like, those battery sizes and shapes and stuff, like, they are very universal and everyone just sort of accepts it. Although it feels like they're on the way out now. Finally, we're going towards, like, this lithium ion. You can charge it from a USB all the, you know, the age of those big, chunky yeah. batteries is probably starting yeah. to end. Man, think about it. When they're, when they're gone, it's going to free up a whole s- area in the supermarket. Oh, they're gonna have, yeah. they're not gonna, oh. The supermarkets are not going to know what to do with that. <laughs> they're going to have a whole rack. Yeah. Free up an entire drawer in your kitchen. Oh, absolutely. I hope we all get to vote on what they put on that rack in the oh. supermarket. <laughs> yeah, maybe hats. What about oh. wigs? You don't see wigs enough. True. <laughs> We need new wigs and wigs for different part of the body. (laughs) Shoulder wigs. Multiple wigs. What about tails? I think humans, it would be more acceptable if we could have like either both not. I take it back. Democracy doesn't work. We're not going to vote on it, okay? I'm going to (laughs) decide. And you decide? Shoelaces. Oh, okay. They already have a section with shoelaces. Well, I would like another one. It's near the sewing. The options for shoelaces I always find are disappointing. I want to be able to see the shoelace full length. And I want to be able to see what it looks like on a shoe. Oh, oh, right. <laughs> they're all, maybe they're they, always bundled up like that. You can't get a sense of it. Maybe they could have a shoelace attendant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They've automated the cashier, but they, they get a shoelace attendant. <laughs> Someone who talks you through the shoelaces. An has old-timey photos on their phone. shoelace attendant. <laughs> He'll take the shoelaces out of your old shoe. <laughs> <laughs> Try some new ones. Put you can say nah, machine. like that. And they'll put on a new set like that. He just throws those ones away. They're, they're under two bucks for each thing. There's no way they're covering this guy's wage or woman. And he gets five hundred thousand a year. <laughs> Sorry, I've 
really throwing us <laughs> off the rails. I think that was an important conversation yeah. that society has been waiting for. The important thing is that we know that torches um, or flashlights. So it probably was a flashlight then. Yeah, I think so. It was like 28 years after it was invented. God, now, when was old. the fleshlight invented? <laughs> oh, I think we were within the... the also by Thomas Edison. <laughs> He was a sex mania. The Thomas, it would have been the Thomas Edison of of sex of, sort of sex toys. Yeah. That's right. Nineteen hundred patents, all for sex toys, <laughs> all for fake lips. <laughs> the Edison screw wasn't called that for nothing. <laughs> well, so Thomas proposed this plan. Yes, I, I go in the bushes. You work, and that's what they do. The family set up camp in some disused boxcar railway cars. They join some other families and have a community. All the while, Tom goes and lives in a, in a bush nearby. He literally lives in a bush. A single bush. <laughs> so it's like a. It's like so many um, thorns wrapped together that he sort of creates a path. And he's become a rabbit. Yeah, and inside, it, it, there's it is. He's got a burrow. It's so. It's there's so many plants in there. Apparently, it's pitch black inside. Well, you know, the one time I, I was walking. You know, anyway, I was in Vancouver one time, and. Walking, and it was I was I was staying at Indiana, my, my wife's friend's place, but I forgot my key, and I knocked on the door, and I said, and then they didn't answer, and I went, I won't wake w- wake them. They've got work tomorrow. I'll just walk through the night, <laughs> all night, <laughs> all night. And so I started, and by about eleven o'clock, I was like, I'm already really tired. <sighs> um, and so I found this spherical bush. <laughs> And then I was like, this would be just the perfect place to sleep. <laughs> and I go in there, and there was already a mattress in there. And I went, oh, this is somebody's home. I got to leave. <laughs> and then I walked through the night. <laughs> yeah, I think you weren't wrong about that being the perfect place yeah. to, to sleep. You, there's a mattress in there, Alice. I say, I yeah. say you lie down. I, well, yeah, that would have been great. But then until somebody comes up and yeah. is yeah. like, you, hey, I'm going to kill you. Like Thomas that. Edison's like, I already patented that bush. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of my bush. It's the bed bush. <laughs> He's the Thomas Edison of sleeping in plants. <laughs> An electric light in every home and a mattress in every bush. <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> so you just walked all night and then in the morning, like, what, did you wait till like a respectable hour that you thought that would yeah. be up for breakfast? Uh, then, like, I found a place, a cafe that had Wi-Fi that I could use outside of. I could stand outside of it and oh. use the Wi-Fi because I didn't have a sort of a ca- Canadian SIM at and the time. And you scrolled through the night. <laughs> well, no, well, then I, well, I only had a limited amount of battery, so... I saved up my battery so that, um, you know, I'd go, I'd walk for two hours and then I'd go use the Wi-Fi for 10 minutes and then I'd turn off my phone and then I'd, and then, so then I would send them a message at one point and they were like, of course you can come home. <laughs> you should you have, could, you you have can come us. home. Just you knock. can come home. Yeah. But it was as soon as like a place opened up, like a Tim Hortons opened up so that you could, I can get a coffee and a bagel or whatever. Then it was like. Now we're in oh, heaven. I'm living. This is easy. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 wonderful how quickly you reverted to just like a hunter gatherer subsistence <laughs> lifestyle. You're rationing batteries. You're sleeping in bushes. You're enjoying the finer things yeah. like being able to go inside. Mm, yeah. I remember this. I used to have a home. <laughs> so you got into that bed. It never felt so comfortable. I, I slept through the day. <laughs> I changed my whole body clock for that for out of politeness. <laughs> To not wake people. It's the Canadian way. Yeah. So Tom's in a bush. The cotton work is good and the family are able to finally save some money because they're very good at picking cotton. They buy new clothes and food, milk for pregnant Rosa Sean, and they have enough money to buy some candy for the young kids, Ruthie and Winfield. Things nice. are looking up. Looking great. Good. Sadly. Is he still in that bush? 
Oh, yeah, sorry. I said sadly. 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 He's still in the bush. He's waiting for the face to heal. Every time he crawls in, though, he scratches it again on all those thorns. (laughs) (laughs) It's a vicious cycle. Sadly, the candy gets Ruthie into trouble. This is the second youngest child because an older girl starts a fight with her and steals her candy. Oh, no. Which results in her saying, well, my brother would beat up your brother. You know, that thing, well, my dad will beat up your mm. dad, all that sort of sort of thing. Yeah. It's like, well, I'll get my grandpa, all that sort of stuff. Ruthie trumps by saying, oh, yeah? And this is a quote. Well, my brother has killed two men and is even hiding nearby because of it. Ruthie. Whoops. And before this, they've been, the kids, the mom took them aside and said, look, you can't tell anyone about this because... Mm. Tom's in a lot of trouble. We need to hide him. And now she's just, out of anger, said, he's hiding nearby. Panicking that the girl will tell the rest of the camp, Ma goes and finds Tom hiding in his bush. Even she now agrees that he should leave for his own safety. He tells Ma that he's been doing a lot of thinking about Casey and what he said and what he died for. There's a quote from Tom. I've been thinking a hell of a lot. Thinking about our people living like pigs and the good rich land laying fallow, or maybe some fellow with a million acres, while a hundred thousand good farmers is starving. And I've been wondering if all our folks got together and yelled like them fellas yelled. End quote. So he, he's decided he's going to dedicate his life to organizing people. Alphabetically? <laughs> In what way? Yeah. From By length? shortest to tallest. <laughs> Basically, creating like a union. Oh, okay. Oh. Fighting the power. A bit of a, an uprising. Tom reluctantly takes $7 that Mara saved up, quite a sizable sum, and she leaves him. Ma, that's the one thing she didn't want. Yeah. Break up the family, but she's like, just for your own safety. And she leaves, and she sort of starts crying a little bit, and then it says she took two steps back, and then she went no, and then left left Tom in the bush. That's Ma. Gosh, yeah. But, you know, it's a nice thing. It's, it's like the kind of thing that really inspires you to set up like a sort of a... Um, uh, sort of a tech House empire, in a bush. Oh. A tech empire <laughs> instead of a you know near San San Francisco. Apple started in a garage. He started in a bush. Man, Tom's starting to talk like the kind of the kind of stuff that was going to get you a pickaxe to the head. You know, that's what Ma says. He's like, "Well, what do they kill you like? They killed Jim Casey." And he says, "Well, someone else will take my place, and I'm happy to be part of the take my placey." <laughs> like Jim Casey. Jim Casey's placey. Yeah. Andy, Andy's ready to take the place of uh, Woody Guthrie. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is this is so every single thing, all of this. This is so this is so Guthrie. The the living in the box cars, the starting a union. He's saying about all of that. Living in a bush. Living in a bush. Yeah. Are you starting to think that maybe Woody Guthrie? Living just, in a bush. Just shot read. off my tush. <laughs> he's, he's saying this whole thing. Do you think maybe Woody Guthrie just read Grapes of Wrath and then it was basically based everything off yeah. of that? Yeah, he, he, he was an academic. He just lifted it. <laughs> he was really rich. Yeah. He just read Grapes of Wrath once. So I, I read the first half, got the gist. I get the gist of what the people like. Yeah. You know, what the people want. All right. Well, back at the boxcar, there's some good news. Al, Tom's ladies' man brother, has become engaged to Agnes the daughter of the family they're sharing the boxcar with. Oh, marrying mm. up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's from the nice end of the boxcar. <laughs> it's got a window. <laughs> but then the rain starts to fall and it does not stop for three whole days. 
Noah, is this happening? Mm. The area around them starts to flood. There's so much water. Rosa Sean, who was sick and running a fever, goes into labour in the boxcar. Whilst members of the family gather to give birth, Pa rallies the families of the other boxcars together to build a dam bank to stop the flood from getting in, you know, into the boxcar. Some of the families argue that they should all leave now and go to higher ground, but Pa argues that the waterproof roof of the boxcar is the best thing they'll, you know, to shelter under in the area. So they get digging to build the dam. They they go with Pa. They're working together. See, yeah. we got a little bit of solidarity. Mm-hmm. Got a little bit of community spirit. Yeah, but I'm telling you, if you're going to build a dam, digging that's the opposite. <laughs> that's the opposite of what you're trying to do. Already, I feel like they're going in the wrong direction. <laughs> Down rather than up. <laughs> Well, the dam actually looks good, and it looks like it will hold until... The Hoover Dam. Is it the Hoover Dam? It It goes on to be (laughs) the Hoover Dam. (laughs) Well, it looks as good and as watertight as the Hoover Dam until a giant tree log is washed down and it destroys the levee, letting water into the camp and flooding the engines of all their cars that are parked there. Damn. Pa, already gutted, because it's his plan, yeah. he returns to the boxcar to hear the tragic news that Rosa Sean has delivered a stillborn baby. Dang. Because she, mm. she was quite ill before this. The rain continues and the water gets higher and higher, eventually flooding into the car, which is what no one wanted to happen. No, absolutely. The, the, uh, they use parts of the truck to build little islands where they can put their stuff so it doesn't get wet. But eventually they decide to wade out to higher ground. And some of the families, uh, people start yelling at Pa. He's like, this was your plan. And, and, you know, we, I wanted to leave and now my car's ruined. Mm. And Pa's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Al, this is the brother that just got married, tells his family he will stay, or is going to get married. He'll stay with Agnes's fiance and her family. So the family loses another member. Yeah, he's broken up. See, this is what Ma didn't want to happen. Ma's going to die. Oh, no, 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 no. She's going to start. <laughs> yeah, she's got to start. I mean, <laughs> the prophecy's there. I mean, uh, the rest of the Jodes now down to Ma, Pa, Uncle John, Rosa Sean, and the two kids, Ruthie and Winfield, wade out in chest high water and seek refuge in a nearby barn. Inside, they find a boy and his father also sheltering from the rain. The man is gravely ill, and the boy tells them that his father is starving to death having given him all the food and not eaten in six days. Oh, God. The kid explains. He even stole some... He went out, stole some bread, but his father just threw it back up because he's in late stages of starvation. Mm. He needs either soup or milk. And he says, you guys got any money to get milk? And with that, Ma looks at the daughter, Rose of Sean, who just says... Yes. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The Grapes of Wrath finishes with Rosa Sean breastfeeding a starving man to save his life. Whoa. The last line is, I got a couple of cans of milk right <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> no? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> the last line is, she squirmed closer and pulled his head close. There, she said. There. Her hand moved behind his head and supported it. Her fingers moved gently into his hair. She looked up and across the barn, and her lips came together and smiled mysteriously. The end. Oh, God, that's actually one of the saddest things I've ever heard. I know, my God. I mean, how can you make something that's optimistic Mm. and yet so awful? I know, it's... 
Pretty tragic. So we never actually hear from Tom Jode again. He goes off and says, "I'm going to, you know, I'm going to dedicate my life to this new sort of way of living. I'm going to get mm. the unions together." And then he goes off. We d- we don't know what happened to him. And we also don't know if Noah invented a helicopter. Mm. Sorry to say, but you were right, Andy. You predicted that uh, that Tom Jode would kill again. Yes, and he did, and that the family would get broken up, which they sort of fairly did, but not because Ma died. No. Yeah, no. Ma. No. But you, you, you saw what people wanted, and mm. then you had this deep feeling in your gut that they wouldn't get it. Yep. Yeah. Do you think that this book could have been summarized into a tweet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I were to summarize, I would say the best laid plans of mice and men, gang after glay. It's just the mice and men thing again, isn't it? It's people have a dream, mm-hmm. and then it, it all goes rot. Goes rotten. Well, this is my thing. So I loved of Masterman. I must say, I must. I loved this. I um, I really thought it was great. The characters are very, very good. You know, you, you feel mm. a lot for them, even though there's like thirteen in the family. You start to know all of them, yeah. which is mm. very good. But it probably made me feel about as much as of Masterman. But of Masterman was like one fifth of the. The, the pages. Yeah, so the it, was, it, yeah. was, it was that higher intensity. It was the 4X mint yeah, exa- to the yeah. fistful of odd fellows that is. Um... <laughs> Could not have said it better myself. Thanks. Um, but yeah, so that was something that I did notice. I, I must say I loved this. And I'll get you, I'll get you to score it out of five in, mm. in, a, in a minute. But yeah, how are you feeling at the, the end of it, Al? Yeah, I mean, was, I mean, one of the layers there seems to be that, uh, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, the only goodness comes from uh, from other people mm. uh, who are kind of like your equals or mm. sharing uh, sharing uh, the you know I don't know that 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 I guess that thing of people helping each other is that the the ultimate gift that she was doing there at the end there was sort of yeah that's right she suffered this enormous tragedy still yeah. is able to extend a you know a helping hand mm. to literally save another guy's life yeah. And it's a shame one of her boobs didn't have soup in it so that he could have a bit of variety, you know? Right. Milk again? Yeah. <laughs> that was his first words when he was strong enough to speak again. <laughs> it's a shame. <laughs> he just says, soup. Soup. She's, I don't have soup. What, what do you want from me? soup? What? <laughs> um, but, I mean, you know, it's got all the, you know, that's what that, a lot of these books have is that you realize, right? You know, you ever think, you ever think about writing a book or writing anything? It feels yeah, like think, that's also the the that's the culmination of um, book cheat is that you will write a book. All oh, right, yeah. so I take everything that I've learned mm. and then you'll write summarize the it for us so people don't have to buy it. And read <laughs> don't it. buy a copy. Here is the my summary. Yeah, um, but you know, you realize that you know those strong themes on an idea of like people getting screwed over by power and and you know mm. like and the need to unionize and you know. Uh, the tragedy when 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 people mm. power isn't the there. Dehumanizing nature of poverty and greed. Oh yes, because I mean that's kind of what that is, right? It's like yeah. that, that. It's the greed. I mean, the government comes out looking pretty good in this with that with that commune that they. Isn't it interesting? You never actually meet any of the like the rich people. Like, you, well, as far as I'm aware, you never meet the people who, at the top, right? No, and they're even painted it. They say like, oh, because early on when they're getting kicked off the land, the Par and his dad are like, well, you know, can I revolt against these people? And they're like, well, no, they're, they're not even here. They're like, well, yeah. I'll go and I'll go and shoot them. Like, so, you know? mm, so and they say, well, you can't. They're like faceless corporations. They're in the city. They're what what it what it what it is is it's like they they force the poor people to be horrible to each other, 
right? And it's only by the poor people to joining together mm. and making their communities. Mm, yeah, because part of their going. strategy is to keep them poor. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And but it's and it, I guess a sort of an early example is that guy who is just driving uh, the tractor drive, for three cents a day. Yeah, and that. That's probably the same thing that all those sheriffs are as well. They're probably just some higher, slightly better paid version of, you know, the people who are working on the farms. They're just like, well, you know, I got this job. I got to take care of my family. Mm. And if you keep everybody just right at the bottom, then they all mm. have to just keep going and they'll all do their job and keep being obedient. And you're going, wait, we're all getting screwed here. Yeah, but it's like, well, if you only focus on keeping care of your family, but you'll never do the, you'll never join the picket line. Isn't it mm. crazy that that is exactly that this is exactly the same problem that we're having today? All right, mm. it's like you know Tesla and Amazon don't want their workers to unionize. Mm. Um, uh, the yeah. Uber doesn't want to have any responsibility for their employees, and yeah. it's just gig economy bullshit where you get paid the minimum amount possible. Yeah, gig economy is just another way of. Subverting the, the the work laws, yeah. So that the hard, go, oh, we found a way. It's like if they're not technically employees, they we don't have to pay a minimum wage. <laughs> <laughs> ah. this is more of a hobby for them. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they love this. Mm. <laughs> they're riding a bike. Who doesn't love riding a bike? Yeah. Oh well, you know, it's it's good. It's, I think we're we're going into some interesting times because now we're in a point where people actually can't. A lot of people can't work. And we're kind of being forced into a kind of more socialisty kind of a socialisty socialisty. Oh, I like that word. Mm. Socialicious, <laughs> I reckon. Mm. I don't know. I, I saw. I saw at the beginning of the pandemic there one of those, like the head of one of those gigantic investment firms that's like called BlackRock or something like that. And it's, you know, it's, it's in charge of multiple trillions of dollars. And they were like, yeah, you know, the world is going to be heading towards a more kind of socialist type thing. Uh, and so, you know, he's using that to sort of to, to inform other people on what's the best way to invest, but, you know, for them to keep, you know, separating all that kind of money. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to see. And what about the religious stuff that we were seeing throughout the book? Oh, it's, it's there. It's thick. I mean, That's one of the yeah. thickest of the layers. So JC, Jim Casey did sacrifice himself, mm. really, yeah, for the yeah. greater good. Yeah. I mean, I find a lot of that stuff adding a, a Jesus layer to it, to a book. It's just, it's kind of... It's kind of the hack thing to do now, isn't it? Like, it's like every book has got, like, mm. some Jesus layer. It's like people are like, oh, Harry Potter's got a Jesus layer. You go, oh, Star Wars has got a Jesus layer. It's like everything's got a fucking mm. Jesus well, they layer. They both like, did have characters called Jesus, so that was... Did they? No. <laughs> <laughs> you, this, is, this layer is just slapping me across the face. <laughs> it didn't occur to me that Jesus would be out of copyright by now, so you can put him in anything. Absolutely. I've got to write a couple more Jesus stories. I think it's about time. Yeah. yeah. He's going to get a real fast cut. Some Jesus fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know, I, 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 I don't. I don't hate it. I think if you weren't pointing, if, you know, if I wasn't pointing it out all the time or looking for it, it would just be interesting. Just a good story. Anytime somebody sacrifices themselves, that, that's a way to get you in. Yes. But is it just kind of like. Isn't it just that's that's what makes good content anyway in a book? Like, is that somebody sacrifices themselves, blah blah blah, makes you know a, mm. a decision for the greater good, and then to just give them the initials JC kind of goes, you go. Anyway, I'm referencing. Did you get it? I'm referencing you get a story it? we that all is, know. That is Steinbeck staring at the page, going, "I've only got four layers." Yeah, <laughs> I feel like a hack. I've got to get a fifth layer here. Exactly. He goes because that's you know the amount of layers in my book is the amount of layers in me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a five guy. Yeah, I'm a five layer guy. So. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, uh, I don't care that much about that stuff. But you know, maybe if you're 
if you're very religious and you like to see some of your beliefs uh, reflected in things like that, that'll be super. Um, That'd be super rewarding for you. you go, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing all this. Oh, well, I mean, he would have been writing this at a very uh, much more religious time in history, right? Like yes. everyone would have been a believer when he wrote this. And so he, mm. you know, maybe maybe that's a tool. If you are actually trying to like call people to, um, you know, sounds like he's pro-union, all that sort of stuff. If he actually wanted to change people's minds, it would make sense to tie it into a biblical, you know, a biblical analogy, a sort of thing that, that mm. people could connect to. And yes, then, and I also... I, the fact that the title comes from a, a Bible, mm, yeah, that was there. I just don't see what you gain from it, you know. But of course, I haven't read the actual book. I've just kind of had a summary from it. But I don't see what there is to gain for me as a reader from hearing a subtext that is like or a layer that is just you know, it's like, oh yeah, this is kind of a bit like some Jesus. I must admit, it doesn't really add too much for me either because I'm not super au fait with all the stories mm. in the Bible. What if it had been a Simpsons analogy? Oh, I, I would love that. <laughs> love that. Yeah. Oh, he was Lionel Hutz all along. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> I would love that, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I would love it only because I like the character in the, in, in the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so is that all it is? Is like you go, it's a little nod. It's a little nod to the people. It's like, oh. it's like when we grow up and we see, yeah, we see a Simpsons thing that references, uh, you know, something else from when we were growing up. Is that all it is? It's just like uh, the religious people are just the super fans of the, uh, you know. Of, I think uh, you're right. Yeah. I think maybe that's what a whole lot of fan culture now is, mm. right? Is it's just, a, it is sort of we've st- glommed onto that with religion becoming less, less of a big deal, mm. you know. Well, that was the one thing we used to reference. Yeah. And then now uh, we're like, ah, why? Well, we'll put some references to Ninja Turtles in there. <laughs> but also I'm just going to become just as obsessive and defensive of these book section of books of Marvel comics as I once was of the Bibble. The Bibble. That's true. But I also I imagine that if you are very religious and you see this and you look at it and you go, ah, oh, that's telling me the right way to live. Mm. So you, there is that that you might get from it. Yeah. yeah. But Inspired. then isn't it in a way also just then borrowing somebody else's authority instead of putting those words in that uh, that mouth, like their mouth? You go, uh, you that's what Jesus would have liked. <laughs> <laughs> but he would have as well. I think he's trying to say, you know, this is the this is the Christian way to, to mm. do things. This is what Je- Jesus would have been on the side of these poor yeah. people. So it's a bit of marketing. bit of marketing. The, the whole thing is yeah. just a marketing. Right. Sure. It's, cr- it's, cr- it's cross promotion. It's like, say, you went on Book Cheat and you talked about the show The Pop Test. Yeah. Biblical. It's very biblical. Well, there was a, there's actually a real subtext of uh, the Bible in The Pop Test. <laughs> wow. So, if, yeah, it's you got to look Christian for Christian science. Um, sure. You got so many layers on that show, I can't keep up with it. <laughs> That's right. One of the layers is just talking really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, we talk too fast. Mm. You're very good at it. Well, did it, take, did it sometimes did it peek behind the curtain. Take yeah. multiple takes on the very scientific words that you're spitting out with great diction. Well, you're right to observe that we did do it behind a curtain. Yeah. Because we get very self-conscious if, we, <laughs> if yeah. anyone's watching us and we are naked when we do the show. And you do, get, you do get better audio. It doesn't bounce off of the sort of soft <laughs> walls. That's right. Um, but it doesn't sound like bounce off your clothing. Uh, it bounces off my rock-hard abs. That's yes. the only downside. <laughs> um, but you were right uh, to, to give you an answer to that. Yes. I do have to repeat, uh, read those segments of stuff uh, multiple times, whereas Andy often gets it in just one go. You are both marvelous at it. Thank you so much. As someone who has to read, <clears throat> pardon me, as someone who has to read, you know, quotes out loud. You do, you do very well, Dave. Yeah, you do really good. We're in this. We're in the halls of the king. <laughs> Thank you so much. 
It's great to be here while you're turning into an old man as well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. My voice is dying I'd like here. to be. Oh, I guess I'm an old man now. <laughs> and uh, before we wrap up, no, the final part of the show is really we, we, we score it out of five. As you mm. heard it here, over the last couple of weeks, mm. how do you feel about it? Did you enjoy the story? You know what? I did. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I would probably find this really hard to read because I find awful things happening to characters I like very yes, hard. Yes, it is very bleak, I must say. really sad, and mm. so I'm glad I didn't have to read it, but I'm going to give it five stars because I think it's very good. I'm going to give it uh, my own personal Nobel Prize. <laughs> <laughs> That's very oh. big of you. Mm. Five out of five from Andy. That's a big score, Al. Yeah, you know what? How do you I'm going gonna... to give it five out of five. I I always do feel a little bit uncomfortable rating these things because, you know, you sit here, you take the piss a little bit for an hour or so, and then you're like... Anyway, this is a, per- the b- a book that everybody agrees is great and that they, you know, they dedicated their life to writing. I must eh. say, <laughs> it's very funny when we get to the end of the episode and someone gives Shakespeare two. I love that. I love it. It's so funny. It's really good. Yeah. Not for me. Not for me. No. I will also give it five out of five. Uh, I can see why it is rated as one of the, a great mm. American novel. It's, um, yeah, it made me feel a lot. Yeah, did Steinbeck did he have did he have a tough life? Do you know anything about him? Did he like live this kind of stuff? Was he a journalist? It's got that kind of like it feels like something where you you know like Orwell had mm. the thing of like I'm going to kind of live by choice almost this life that I'm writing about this life of poverty, and I want to know how Steinbeck had such a clear view of what was actually happening because it's the kind of stuff that you don't know about right unless you're unless you're there the details of what the well, uh, so he he grew up and he all his books are set in California mm. which is where he was from uh, I don't think he was like this sort of working class person but I do know he did do lots of research yeah right in into this kind of thing and then some people have noted some scholars argue that he actually based some of it off of if not ripped off uh, an American writer called Sonora Babb and her unpublished novel, whose names are unknown, which wasn't uh, published until right before she died in 2004, because it's also set during the Great Depression around the Dust Bowl. And apparently she'd written this draft and some people contend that John Steinbeck read that draft and borrowed some of the, oh, the shit. from there. But I believe that is uh, debated amongst Sonora people. Sonora Babb. Sonora And she died Babb. in 2004. Yeah, she... Oh, my goodness. She was quite old. She was 98 years old, and she died in 2005, so it was, it was uh, published just a year before she died. Mm, cool. Well, there you go. Sonora mm, Babb. Yeah, she, like, she, like? she, just, she looks like... Uh, yeah, she, maybe she writes romance novels or something. Yeah, she does. And uh, apparently at the time, she contended that her novel was, wasn't... Uh, published because it was also set during the Great Depression, during the Dust Bowl, mm. and by this time Steinbeck had already published his, and it had been a bestseller. And people were like, "Well, that's already written." Uh, now. We've already established that people love yeah, these books and buy thousands of them. We don't I, need to publish another one. I know these days people would be like, "Oh my God, we said no to his one. Can we say yes to yours? Maybe we'll get you know, we'll mm. get the bookshops at least to put it next to it, so we'll try and mm. cash in on the sales." But yeah, that's a great name as well, though Sonora Bab. I yeah. know. She also said his book is not as realistic as mine. <laughs> yeah. Love it. That's incredible. 
I would, um, I'd love to know the truth of that. <laughs> Do you think somebody could write a, a book about the truth? I mean, there probably is a book being written about the truth of whether mm. or not he did steal and how much is similar. It's it's just it's hard to say. People say that there are, you know, obvious similarities. Because I do see that like a lot where people are like, This person stole my tweet like that and then you go, Well, actually you've created, you know, quite a mm. Like there's a, it, there's there's a really clear idea here that you could you know, that anybody would have come up you with. You could come yeah. to it. Yes. You and know. you know, I mean mm. at the time of the Great Depression, it's not crazy that two people would be writing books about the Great Depression. Yeah. Especially so, like, you know, if if it's a you know, hundreds of thousands of people are migrating anyway, I'm not saying that he didn't steal it. Mm. Like, and, and I suppose he also has a track record of writing other amazing novels like yeah. critically acclaimed. Yes. So it's but who knows, he may have lifted some yeah. ideas from her. So Sonora Bab is her name in the book. It's called, <laughs> ironically, I couldn't think of it, whose names are unknown. Oh, right. I thought you were just saying that they didn't know the name of her book. No. This is why it yeah. wasn't published. So, yeah. yeah, what, yeah what's the, it's, it's, a, it's a real who's on first situation. Yeah, yeah. So what's the book that she wants us to publish? Uh, whose name his names unknown. are unknown. <laughs> Well, well, no, but well, what's the name of the book? Whose names are unknown? Yes, that's the book I'm talking about. Yeah, those ones. Those ones. <laughs> It's it's interesting. <laughs> it is interesting, but that's the final word. Yeah. You heard it here. Uh, but that is the end of the Grapes of Wrath. We've done it again, guys. I can't believe it. It was another perfect episode. <laughs> another perfect episode. Uh, I only got in the way a little bit. And uh, well, until next year when we will cover another classic, hopefully over two parts. Yes, or more maybe. That's until right. next year, David. Well, I mean, I would love to have you back sooner than that. If I can, but no ours now established. It's a tradition to do a two-parter once a year. Hey, guess what, though? If you also want to hear more of Dave Warnicky, he appeared on Two in the Think Tank last week, which for you will be last last week. And you know what? I heard from one of our dedicated listeners, it's a top five episode. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Dave. Yeah. That's you really did nice. good, kid. You oh, did real good. Thanks so much. I had a I had a, a ball on it. So the idea of the show is you guys are sketch comedy writers by trade, and then on the show you come up with five sketch comedy ideas. Yeah, and, um, that's right. We came up with some 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 wacky thoughts. Some I thought. real wacky thoughts. <laughs> the Institute of Chair Studies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very yeah. fun stuff. So yeah, check that out too in the think tank. Uh, I'll, I'll put a link in the description of the episode to that. Also to the pop test, which you can hear. On Radio National, if you're in Australia. Yes. But also yes. as a podcast anywhere else in the world. That's right. It, it's, it's available. You can, you can get it. You can listen and then you can learn. I don't know if it's on Spotify yet, but I assume it will be soon. Fantastic. And there's also the live show Teleport coming soon to the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Yeah. Mm. You know what? Feel free to buy tickets. They're available now. It'll be on a trades hall and there'll be plenty of tickets. There'll the second plenty. half of the festival and it's going to be a banger. That's right. Cannot wait. Cannot personally wait to see it. Me too. I can't wait for us to personally finish, completely finish. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for, for joining me. Do you have anything else you'd like to point people towards? I just want to say thank you so much, Dave, You know, for the content you've created over the years and just for the great person that you are. Mm. Thank you, Al. Right back at you. Oh, well, you know, thank you. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say that. I'd actually passed Al an unwritten, manus- un- unpublished <laughs> manuscript of my yeah. uh, my thank you. And, oh, okay. Um, and he read over that? He, he, yeah. he read it out word for word. But, so, uh, um, but I have given very nice compliments right. in the past. <laughs> That's so. true. But Andy really is the Sonora Bab of your partnership. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you so much. And until next week, I'm going to say it. Books forever! And ever and ever. Amen. Amen.
so much, Dave. You're welcome. <laughs> Hello and welcome. To- <laughs> Couldn't do it. I was like, I got this. I got this. I don't got this. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.